Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Only Stupid Answers. My name is DJ Wooldridge, and with me, as always, is the amazing Roxy Stryer. Smooth sailing. Smooth sailing. If you are watching this full video on Patreon, you should have been able to watch this live, but unfortunately, my internet uh decided to not work today and it's been so fun uh to spend last oh my god killing it it. i don't know about you roxy but learning the difference between upload speeds and download speeds and why one were ones were it's stuff i never thought i needed to know (laughs) i don't even know what that png in the middle thing means like i'm getting the upload i get the download but that middle one i don't know yeah i don't know so cool i'm so glad we live in a time where my entire career depends on it it's wonderful but you all are not tuning in for that, but I do want to thank everybody that is on the Patreon um, uh, that is a part of this community because this is a, a fan-supported show. It would not happen. Literally, I guarantee you it would not happen uh, without you, so I'm so thankful for you all being here and supporting us, and hopefully next week when we do this, uh, we, everything will work. <laughs> um, so let's get into every week um, we like to talk about, before we get into the main topic, which of course uh, is going to be the fact that Warner Brothers is releasing all their 2021 movies on HBO Max. That's going to be our main discussion. But before we get into that, we like to start every episode with what we are into. Roxy, what are you into this week? You know what? A lot of things, DJ. Uh, this was a good a good content. Um, oh my God. I know that that word is overused and I know people hate it. I'm sorry, but it, it was a good content week. It was a good week for like shocking moments and weird things that are happening in my bizarro world. And you know that I, I rock the high low, which means that I watch the best of the best, but I also like totally watch the worst of the worst. So it. one of the best of the worst, um, is a show that I don't talk about. I never really talk about it on air. And I don't know why that is, but that is The Bachelorette. Yes. DJ, I I, I need to tell you that, and I want this to be very clear. I am not a Bachelor, Bachelorette watching person. Okay. This was not, I have not watched all 69 seasons of it. I didn't mean to even just pick that number, but it came out. (laughs) I have not, whatever the amount of seasons is, I, the last time I watched, really watched The Bachelorette was the first couple of seasons with my mom. And that was 20 years ago. Like I did not watch in between, but for some reason pandemic has got me in like a go back to your childhood, relive those things kind of place. I get it. Uh, And so I am like so obsessed with this show that it hurts. I feel so much more invested in other people's love lives than my own. Um, and that like, it, it is crazy how much energy I'm putting into what's happening here. So for, in, in case you don't know, because I'm guessing most of the people who listen to the show probably actually are not watching the bachelorette, the craziest, craziest shit went down this season so far. Initially we went in with the oldest bachelorette to ever join the show. Her name was Claire. Wait, how she old? Maybe 40. That's not that old. <laughs> not at all. Maybe 39 even. She was not that old. Uh, but she was the oldest bachelorette to ever join. And she literally went one episode and was like, nope, found my husband. That's him. D- don't want to keep doing this. That's the guy. Like she Wild. Up, like, broke the whole system was like, no, no, that's my husband. I'm not going to keep dating these other guys because that's weird. And that's my husband. He dropped down on one knee. He proposed to her. 
it happened like this. And then the show was like, fuck, what do we do now? So they kept all of the guys, the like 30 dudes that were there for Claire. And they were like, well, I guess we bring in another bachelorette. Yeah. There's got to be one waiting in the wings. So they did. Um, They had one waiting in the wings and she is like the fan favorite. Her name is Taisha. She is the most beautiful, flawless, like incredible person on the planet. I don't know why she hasn't been the bachelorette before. Yeah. But she is now the bachelorette, but it's like a little awkward because she's kind of getting all of Claire's sloppy seconds. Like before Claire was like, that's my husband. She made out with all the other dudes. Yeah. And now they're all there thinking that they were there for Claire, but now they're going with Tasha. So this season has been truly, truly nuts. Um, but Tasha's like falling in love with multiple men. And I didn't realize how cringe worthy this show was. And you know, DJ, that cringe is my favorite genre. It is your thing. I- DJ, I watch this show like this. (laughs) I cannot get over how uncomfortable I am watching multiple people make out with the same woman and her like be be so upset having to confront different people and like these grown men are fighting over her. And I'm literally sitting there like this. If you are not watching this show, I can't explain to you what you're missing out on. Like all of the anxiety, all of the fears, every single thing. This show is everything. DJ, have I convinced you? Like, will you give it a shot? Well, be honest with me. No. Oh. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I do have a question for you, though. I'm glad you brought this up because th- there's a, every time The Bachelor or The Bachelorette comes up, the same question springs to mind. You it just randomly threw out the number of like 69 seasons, right? As yeah. a, just a, pos- mm-hmm. a Bachelorette. And then there's The Bachelor. And and you just said that there there was a long hiatus that you were not a part of it. So so maybe yes. one snuck in that you don't know. But has there never been a same sex gay bachelor or bachelorette? No, there there never has been. That and blows they, my mind. I know, but they have addressed this before, and here is how they've addressed it, which I think is kind of like such a cop out. But at the same time, I don't know. They they might not. I, I don't know. They're concerned that if everybody's there for one person, but they're all interested in each other, then they'll all start getting together instead of being there for that one person. Time out. You just described that's like reality TV 101. Of course, it'd be great if they started getting together. Are you kidding me? But the whole premise of The Bachelor is that like they're all there for this one. Like the drama comes from everybody fighting for one. So they feel like it would not be dramatic anymore because. Instead, they'd be like, oh, why are we going for that girl? I'm just going to go for this girl. Like, all of that. Again, I don't make the rules. I agree that the fact that we have gone as many seasons as we have, and we have, like, straight up zero queer representation on the show. There have been some bi people who've come on the show. Yeah, makes um, sense. And actually, interestingly enough, one of the other things that I did watch was the show Bachelor in Paradise. Do you know what that is? Yeah, it's – it's. Uh, I always – oh, I always associate it with, like, the pro ball in, in football where it's like, here's the, the people you like doing. They're just goofing off over here. Totally. It's yeah. very, very similar to that. They are just going to an Island and all like hooking up with each other, basically. But just like the pro that, bowl, um, just like the pro ball mm-hmm. um, on that show, there was this girl named Demi who had been on multiple seasons of the bachelorette. I didn't know her cause I didn't watch any of those shows or, or on bachelor or like she had been on from several different things like winter games and all this shit. <laughs> um, and she was always dating men. Then she left the show 
She got a very, very serious girlfriend. Cool. She came back on the show, didn't tell anybody she had a girlfriend, started dating this guy, then had like a breakdown on the show and was like, I'm queer and don't know why I'm doing this. Can my girlfriend come here now, please? And the producer said yes. Mm -hmm. And they brought her girlfriend onto the show and she like broke this dude's heart. And it was like this wild journey. Um, and I actually don't know if they're still together because I'm not that into Bachelor lore yet. But yeah. it was really, really interesting because she was like, I just felt like I had to be doing this. But like, I'm for sure, for sure. Like, I don't even think she identified as bi anymore. I don't know now, but she was just like, I'm like super duper queer and in love with my girlfriend. I don't want to be here. And yeah. it was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I that just... Was- it was interesting. Yeah, I just got to imagine a, a significant chunk, and, and maybe this is being presumptuous on my part. I just got to imagine a significant chunk of the audience is probably queer, and so it's like I just it, it because so it, you think at some point, although it feels like, and again, I if you do not follow all the Bachelor lore, I definitely don't. But <clears throat> uh, I feel like it's one of those things with like SNL, where like I think it was last season, they're like they got their first Asian American cast member, and you're like, wait, just now, like. Like, I feel like Bachelor does the same thing. It's our first black Bachelorette. And it's like, it's 2018. What are you doing? That was the other thing about this DJ. Claire, the person who was initially the Bachelorette on this season, was this extremely white girl. (laughs) I don't know what extremely white means, but I just... I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yep. Just super duper white. Um, Taysha is black. She's mixed. Um, But... She came on for like Claire's sloppy seconds. It was just such a bad look from the mm-hmm. show. And like Tasha's the one who's loved. Tasha's the one who in the first place should have been asked to be the bachelorette. Yeah. And then you guys asked Claire. And then like mid season, we're like, Tasha, we need you. We need you. And Tasha was like, all right. <laughs> like, okay. But it's just like, what decision making is that by the producers to be like, we're not going to initially ask another black bachelorette because we've already had one. Yeah. We already had one. One and done. <laughs> But then, oh, you know what? Actually, we need her now. And, like, she's so much better at it. Um, yeah. And then, like, Claire posted this novel this week, DJ, that cool. everybody's making fun of her. Because <laughs> everybody's like, what the fuck did you go on the show for? Like, yeah. this is the worst season of television ever. And she's like, you know, I'm human and I bleed too. And it's really upsetting when you guys all are making fun of me reminding the love of my life. <laughs> and uh, it's just kind of hard to, like, feel for her because she's very – she's – I, I don't mean to use this word meanly. I mean it exactly. I mean, it's very annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like very annoying. Um, so, yeah. And Tasha's way better. But it's been an interesting season. And I don't know. At some point, I might have to, like, just start force feeding it to you. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, speaking of force feeding, that's not a real segue, but I'm going to use it anyway. Yep, uh, yep. There's a couple things that I'm into this week. One of them um, for the comic fans in the audience, uh, Marvel is rolling out its latest big event. I think it's the third one this year. Um, And it's called King in Black, and it was set up in uh, Venom of all comics. They revealed that the Venom symbiote um, was created by this evil dark god named Null that was from the Dawn of Time or whatever. And it turns out he is responsible for a bunch of evil weapons and creatures and what have you throughout the marvel universe and so this has been building all throughout um donny cates and ryan stegman's venom run uh and we are finally getting to it uh now and it is cool uh but there is 
a little sense. Uh, Roxy, are you familiar with the term event fatigue? Um, well, is it when you're tired of events? Yes. Uh, yes, it is. Because imagine, so, so, um, uh, I imagine you were like me and a lot of other people when you were sitting uh, in theaters in Endgame. Um, it, it, there was you had a magical feeling, I would mm-hmm. assume, right? Mm-hmm. Now imagine if Endgame and Infinity War came out in the same year, and yeah. along with two other movies where everybody all teamed up to fight a cosmic world-ending thing. You probably wouldn't feel quite so special about it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. like Definitely. literally, there's a plot point. Null is coming in with his evil symbiote super dragons, and there are leftover battleships from the last event that happened this year, some debris from the last event that they use as bombs. And it's like, well, did you literally have the problem right there? Like you're reminding me this you literally just solved a problem like this like two weeks ago. Like, why are we doing this again? Why are we doing this again? So yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful. I mean, it is as a as a kid that grew up in the ninety in the nineties and as a fan of Venom, there is there is a little bit of novelty that Venom of all characters is the center of one of these massive events. Um, and I will probably stick with it because I like the writer and he's been doing good stuff with Thor, who's going to factor into this event, and Silver Surfer, who's probably going to factor in this event. So I'm hoping that maybe we got some of the more traditional stuff out of the way. And maybe we can get to something different if I'm being wishful thinking much, but okay. Yeah. Not only wishful thinking, I don't know what you would, I, cause I don't know about you. Sometimes when I'm flipping through this stuff and it's like, I've kind of seen this before I start playing in my brain. Like, what could you do that I haven't seen before? Right. And I can't really come up with anything. Yeah. But that's not your job. I do that too, where I'm like, well, what were they supposed to do? And it's like, well, that's why they're paid money Mm -hmm. to like figure that out. And me in the next 15 seconds, I'm not going to figure it out. I think that's a really, I think that's a really fair point. I I will say that speaking of figure things out and people that are paid an exorbitant amount of money to figure things out, um, something that is not quite, I'm excuse, excuse me, is is a tad bit more, of a misfire than King and Black is cats. And my wife and I finally decided to, it was on HBO. We finally decided that like, Hey, we don't have to spend any extra money to see it. Now is the time. Uh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to hear your thoughts. What do you got? Okay. So right off the bat, I I've got to be candid with you, Roxy. I can be honest with you. Uh, we got high and uh, to enjoy this movie. No, And there was a moment it, it hit me like because obviously I'd seen the trailer and the CG, and I think it was like the second song in where it hit me like, oh my god, every one of these songs is just going to be about another fucking cat. It's just gonna, yeah. there's not going to be like a progress. It's just like, hey, I'm a cat, and I'm either fat, sad, or horny, or one combination of those things, and that's it. That's the bit. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and so now like. It, the, yep. the CGI was the CGI was what it was, and then the cat, and I was like this. It's not just the CGI. The, the whole concept behind this is insane. Like, it's insane. And then... DJ, all you need to know about this movie is that... And I don't know. I'm sure you had a ton of friends there. Um, the, the first time ever that at a press screening, they gave us unlimited free alcohol. <laughs> this, movie, this movie, at the press screening, we had unlimited free booze Love that's it. all you need to know about what they knew about their movie they were like "Ooh, you're going in there um take these 50 cocktails because you're gonna need them i love it i mean that's really smart on on the people running the screening and everything yeah. i will say there was a point 
And I can, I can guarantee you is when J- Jennifer Hudson's bit. It, because not only was she so talented, but also it's the one song that actually like it's Needs dealing anything? yeah it's dealing with like loss and being rejected and sure it's in the context of being a cat but it's it's stuff yeah. that you can like connect to that I was like the 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 production aspect of it clicked like I could see for for a brief moment I could see through everything and be like oh this is why this show was so successful because like there's like a tap dance number in the movie which in the movie is meaningless because they're all CGI, weightless, whatever, whatever's. But I could imagine if you were in on at Broadway and you were seeing somebody doing this tap dancing number. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, the, it's the live production of, I I think live production is a beautiful, beautiful art form. It's, it's can be really impactful. And even though the whole concept of this thing is nonsense to me, I could see why, like if you went to Broadway or some other live production, why it would be really cool. Yes. So there was that aspect of it, but the, the CG never got better. Oh, I will say, I, I've got to say, there was a moment I'm like, okay, so we've got these famous stars' faces pasted on these CG cat bodies. We've got these songs that are just about cats. I There was a moment where I felt like I could, I had a handle on things, and then Idris Elba was just making people vanish, and I was like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. There's magic? What the fuck is happening? It It's so so incredible at what it does that it's hard to knock it because what it does is say we don't give a flying fuck (laughs) we don't care you know what you thought one thing nope nope there's james over there just being a cat on the floor there like whatever they could do to mess with us they did which is why this got the like love that it did it's one of the most loved crap movies like this rivals the room People talk about this movie and they'll watch it over and over and over again because it's unbelievable to see. It's unbelievable. And it looks awful. It looks... It's not unbelievable to see and looks great. It's unbelievable to see and looks atrocious. It looks so bad. And and it literally boggles my mind. I don't... I cannot for the life of me fathom why they didn't do just practical costumes and then maybe you CG the ears. If you want the ears to move like cat's ears, like... I know it's insane that this got to where it got to. And that like, it reminds me a little bit on a much larger scale. Did you ever see the Will Smith movie Gemini man? Uh, Obviously I saw the Will Smith movie Gemini man. So the fact when you're, when you're watching, you're like, young Will Smith looks weird. And then you find out it's because Ang Lee decided that that character needed to be entirely CG the entirety of the movie. Yeah. mm -hmm. What? Why? Why would you do that to yourself? And then, and then there's many of them, and you're like, "What's happening here?" Like, um, yeah, it, it 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 it's one of those things that, like, I, I think as as a child, you look at adults, and especially professional adults, and especially adults that are in 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 uh, premier careers like making movies, and you think there's some sort of like magical understanding of things, and then you, it, as an adult, I've slowly begun to realize that uh, almost to the person. The more money and influence they have, the less sanity they have. Like, there's literally, there's the inmates are literally running the asylum. <laughs> I know, I know. There's not much more to say about this movie other than that. Like yeah. that, that's what happened. And like, I, do you think that this ends up affecting Tom Hooper's career? God, I hope so. I I have not made. I've not seen a movie made by Tom Hooper that I was like, yeah. I mean, they're all they're all at best. That's fine. 
Well, this is a little um, a little below that. Level, yes, I, would, I mean, I agree. Longer in the that's fine category. This is in the. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you made a movie, if we would like to call it that, and it is gold. I think I think it should affect his career. I think in the world we live in, there's a lot of uh, feeling upward. Mm, that's very true. So he might get like a fucking Marvel movie or something out of it. <laughs> that would be insane. Yeah. But I would not be surprised. Like, not in the least. That sounds probably pretty accurate. Can't wait to see what he does with... Guardians of the Galaxy 16. Now, for those that have not heard, not only do Rox and I do this podcast, but we have a whole Only Stupid Answers show. It goes for two hours live every week on patreon.com slash only stupid answers, where we not only answer your questions about movies, TV shows, and comic books, but we talk about some of the biggest stories that hit every week. We have amazing conversations that you all get to be a part of. We answer your questions. And this next story is actually part of that show. If you want to hear more conversations like this, if you want us to answer your questions, if you want to be part of the show live, you can join in at patreon.com slash only stupid answers. Let's go to a story that kind of struck me this week. Um, so there's a new save by the Bell. Uh, out and, and if I'm being candid, I actually think the setup sounds pretty smart for people that don't know. It's uh, a lot of the cast is returning. Um, Zach Morris from the original show is now mayor, and he makes a big old political financial bundle bungle that forces some lower income students to move to to start going to school at the school that they went to with all the preppy rich kids. Uh, so apparently, there is a joke. Um, about selena gomez's kidney transplant uh, and if i if i i wish i had this specific part in front of me but it's essentially two kids are trying to guess which celebrity gave her the kidney i think the options are justin bieber's mom or i can't remember who the other person is uh and then there's a piece this of is, this is exactly what it said I know for a fact that Selena Gomez's kidney donor was Justin Bieber's mom. God, I wish that I had my phone so I could prove it. And then somebody responds and says, prove what? That you're an idiot. It was Demi Lovato's kidney. They're best friends. You like you and I were. Um, and then later on in the scene says, does Selena Gomez even have a kidney? Yeah, it's um, spray painted on a wall. And for the record, uh, it's from a girl, uh, an actress named Franzia who... Um, I forget that the show that she was on, but I actually know her personally, and she's a very, very sweet girl. Great. So. Well, and apparently, uh, Monica, my wife, knows of her as well. Apparently, her father is is uh, big in Mexico, like he's a, he's like a superstar in Mexico. Uh, and so, I, uh, I would I wouldn't even characterize this really as a joke. It's more of a it's a, a little bit. Uh, um, but apparently, Selena Gomez fans were not having it to the point where the the uh, NBC and the showrunners had to issue an apology, uh, and they're donating to Selena Gomez's uh, charity. Now, I have thoughts about this, Roxy. What, what are what are your thoughts? Um, here's the thing that I will acknowledge: Selena Gomez is a celebrity, yes, but she is not a stand-up comedian. She's not a personality or an entertainment host. Um, she is none of those things. Um, so if I was a writer on the show, I probably wouldn't have made this joke just because Selena Gomez is notoriously sensitive, <laughs> um, and doesn't like this type of attention and takes this specific situation in which she was very close to dying very seriously. Mm. 
had this joke been made about me, I, and again, I didn't need a transplant. So it's hard for me to put myself in that position. I don't think I would have given two fucks. Um, I don't think they were making fun of Selena Gomez. I don't feel like this was like a shot at her and her still being alive. <laughs> I thought that this was like such a weak joke that it was almost irrelevant. Um, but I probably wouldn't have written it knowing that Selena Gomez is like this. Her fans are psychotic. I mean, between Ariana Grande, Lady Gaga, Selena Gomez, like Beyonce, their fans are so psychotic that you have to know when you mention them in something, every one of their fans is going to check it out. So I, again, I feel like this was a stupid thing to put in there. All of that being said, apparently Selena Gomez, who hasn't publicly commented on this, but according to people close to her, says that she considered this bullying. She was really upset by this. She felt that her kidney transplant and others who have gone through that was used as a joke at her expense. She thought this was offensive um, and was really upset. If she feels that way, I guess her feelings are valid. So it's hard for me to step to that. But I, it's so hard for me to sympathize or empathize because I don't really understand why this was that big of a deal. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you made a really good point about understanding because because especially when, when you were mentioning her fans and the way she responds to that stuff, uh, like I would not knowing that stuff, I would one hundred not that I would make a joke about this because I don't care, but I would one hundred percent bungle my way into this, not knowing that this is like a minefield, like just not just not being aware. And I think for me, one again. I don't think this was an attack on Demi Lovato. It's not like, man, I, or Demi Lovato, sorry. It's not an attack on Selena Gomez. Like, oh, I wish she was dead. It's like, isn't it wild that she's a celebrity and she probably got the kidney from another celebrity? That's it. And also, if it was, this is 100% the definition of punching up. Like, Selena yeah. Gomez is one of the biggest celebrities in the world. Her net worth is $75 million. She can take it. <laughs> she whatever whatever you would throw at her she i, I think she should be able to take it and i think i i found myself uh bothered I, I was bothered by the feeling that to need to apologize you don't need to apologize to selena gomez she's a big girl she's an adult she's a celebrity she can deal with whatever constitutes as this but I think the reason I wanted to talk about it today is more about the idea of, and it kind of connects to the Letitia Wright thing and the Felicity Huffman thing, the way we, audience members, fans, you talk about these fans being psychotic. And I think there's, you could, we could put that label on Star Wars fans or the Snyder Cut stands or Trump supporters. And I think it's this, this need certain people have, and not necessarily all of their fans or these particular fans or whatever, this idea of attributing the meaning in your life to somebody else. This person is celebrity. This person is, person is successful by being their fan. I am a part of that. Right. And I, and, and I think what I, what I hope people start realizing, start doing like Selena Gomez, you gave her, her, like I said earlier, you gave her her money. You gave her her fame. You don't owe her anything. She is, she already has more money than God. Like she, it's they, she's got probably got multiple properties. She's probably flying around a, uh, on a private jet, that's punching holes in our fucking atmosphere. Like I'm tired of this defensiveness towards hyper successful, hyper 
rich people, what we should, I, I feel like we should spend more of our time instead of like identifying ourselves and our personality and being defensive about Selena Gomez or being a Marvel fan or a Star Wars fan or a DC fan or any of those things. We should start investing more in in ourselves and not in the sense of, well, I want to be that famous too, but the people around us, our neighborhoods, our communities, like an average kidney transplant is $400,000, which for Selena Gomez is a drop in the bucket. You know what happened if I needed a kidney transplant, Roxy? I would fucking die yeah, because I can't afford it. And that's insane. I found out the other day, and I didn't double check these. Now I was I was just reading an article talking about like if you're in this percentile, if you're making this amount of money, you're in the top ten percent. I found out according to this, I'm in the top ten percent of the world as far as wealth. And I feel like I feel like I'm struggling every day. Imagine what the other ninety percent of the world is dealing with. Yeah, these are the things to me. That you should be worried to about. Get upset about. I know it does feel, and and I don't know her life, and uh, you know I don't know her personally, but it does feel like a very privileged thing to be this upset about. Yeah. Um, because, you know, and and Francia tweeted out as well about it, um, being like, it's nice that you guys apologize to Selena, but think about all of the people who have donated their organs to somebody and how they're feeling. I do, I I do think that that's like a bizarre take. But I do feel worse for the donors than the donees mm-hmm. because, like, they're the ones giving up part of their body, yeah. And the other ones are receiving. I don't know. The, the, the whole thing is just like there are people dying every single day, and there are people getting made fun of because they're, you know, they're getting poked fun of because of who they are, that they're transitioning, or the color of their skin, or any of those things. Like, do we really need to be? that sensitive over the fact that you had a medical issue that got solved and they're just talking about the celebrity aspect of it. Like nobody in the show was like, I wish Selena Gomez died. Nobody in the show was like, she never should have gotten that kidney in the first place and uh, screw her. And I just, I I don't, this was just a little over the top for me, but again, I'm not her. It seems like a privileged thing to be sad about, but okay privilege so that's like her perspective on the world yeah and i think as far as the the fans go i think a lot of times people are frustrated about things that they can't articulate and so they vent that frustration towards something they can for example uh somebody listening to this might be like wow dj you're really worked up about these selena gomez's fans like well that's because i'm upset about the fact that hundreds of thousands of people have died from coronavirus i'm locked in my house the state i live in that i call my home is probably going to be uninhabitable in 30 years and so that all that first that's what i'm mad about and then it gets targeted at other things you know what i mean so i i i'm hoping that maybe we can when it comes to we were able to articulate our frustrations more articulately and we're able to direct it at the things that actually affect people's lives like if it's something that bothers you let's try and make it so it's not four hundred fucking thousand dollars to save a life you know what i mean like let's figure that out yeah yeah anyway another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's talk about our, our main story for today, which of course, 
as I mentioned at the top of the show, is the fact that Warner Brothers is releasing all of its 2020 movies on to HBO Max. Um, so we're talking Dune, we're talking The Suicide Squad, we're talking In the Heights, uh, Matrix 4, Mortal Kombat, which I guess is farther along in production than I knew. Um, this was all, as of this recording, this was all announced yesterday. Roxy, what, what were your thoughts on this when you when you saw this? I know people are so upset about this. I, I know everybody thinks that this decision is a thing that's putting the nail in the coffin of the movie theater's box. Movie theater's box? <laughs> Their coffin box? Whatever, however you would phrase that. Yeah. They're putting I, the nail in the movie theater's box. <laughs> you just got to love nailing that box. Yeah, you got to uh, love nailing the box. I don't, I don't feel personally attacked by any of this <laughs> i feel a company is trying to make the best business decision they possibly can i don't know that this is a good business decision i know that they believe it too or they wouldn't be doing it i think that realistically speaking here we know we know from fauci what fauci currently believes is that this his most recent statement was that he believes stadiums will be able to be full again in september so if we're going off that timeline. A month ago? Two months? Three months ago? <laughs> I wish. If we're going off that timeline, it seems to me like movie theaters probably are not really able to be open again until summer the earliest. Yeah. So what we're really talking about is COVID putting the nail in movie theaters boxes, <laughs> not HBO, not Warner Brothers. What they are doing is saying this is our movie slate for 2021 and we're locked and loaded. We, this is when we're intending on releasing them. The only way to guarantee these movies go out on time is by ignoring COVID and putting these on digital release. Additionally, each one of these movies is going to be released in theaters. So if you prefer to see them in theaters, go there. But for our at risk people, you can watch this at home. And by the way, it's only one year. We're doing this for one year. This is our 2021 slate. Yeah. Again, do I think it's smart? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, this isn't my job. But am I upset about it? No. Yeah. No. I, I will, somebody that is upset about it is um, uh, Adam Aaron, who I guess runs uh, AMC Theaters. And I just wanted to read this because uh, the note it ends on is fucking hilarious to me. Uh Uh, clearly Warner media intends to sacrifice a considerable portion of the profitability of its movie studio division and that it is that it's production partners and filmmakers to subsidize its HBO max startup. As for AMC, we will do all in our power to ensure that Warner brothers does not set, uh, do so at our expense. We will aggressively pursue economic terms to preserve our business where we have already commenced an immediate and urgent dialogue with leadership at Warner in this subject. As this issue gets sorted out, we are nonetheless encouraged that vaccines protecting society at large against the coronavirus are very much at hand. So it is our expectation that moviegoers soon will be able to once again to the light and coming to our theaters without any worry. Viewing the world's best movies safely in our big seats, our big sound, and our big scr- and on our big screens. Cool. <laughs> it's so big. <sighs> like... Everybody wants to find an enemy because it's not tangible enough to just hate this virus. Yeah. So we're starting to, not starting to, we've turned on each other. Mm-hmm. And it's easier if, like an AMC, I don't think it's going to happen. 
let's say AMC has to go out of business. It's easier for them to fucking hate Warner Brothers than it is for them to hate something that couldn't have been helped. Yeah. And it's like you right now you have a business that is that is uh, operates on the fact that it's a bunch of people crowded into a room together. So unfortunately, you are going to be uh, the biggest hit. I, I think for for me, this is as somebody that is trying to stay safe and trying to stay healthy and trying to get um, the people in my orbit to also stay home and stay safe and stay healthy. I see this as a positive thing. I love theaters. You know, I've talked about this before. I love going to movie theaters. I miss it. Um, but I think there's also these things were already changing. Um, and I think we have people in charge of these things that are doing everything on uh, entertainment, um, uh, uh, power, like whatever, like politics, all that stuff that are doing everything in their power to try and keep things working the way they have always work, worked. And on one hand, that's just literally can't keep happening. And in certain circumstances, in certain fields of industry, it's literally killing us. So if, there's, if this pandemic and this shutdown and all this stuff is not a wake-up call, we're not getting another one. If we miss this alarm, we're not getting another one. Truth. That's so the truth. And like, this might be a, a little bit of a controversial statement and I'm sorry if it is, but like what this time is causing people to do is to be incredibly innovative. Yeah. We are seeing some businesses pivot and some businesses thrive in a time in which this is horrific. And I'm not saying that the AMCs of the world, there was much that they can do, but instead of taking time writing, cause you said that was from somebody from AMC. Yeah. Yeah. It was, instead it, of taking the time to write something like that. Why don't we take the time to pitch like things that could make us money during this time? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, stay at home movie nights, but like you get connected with one person or like, I don't know, online dating with AMC with movie nights. Um, I, these are shitty ideas, but yeah. again, you get what I'm saying. Like all of the energy should be going towards how do we get out of this alive? Yeah. Instead of fuck you, fuck you, you're fucking us, you're fucking us, you're fucking us. That might be true. They might be fucking you, but it's not actually helpful to just like keep pointing fingers. No, we didn't cause this virus. Yeah. So now we are living here. That's the fact. The fact is that people can't come to your movie theaters right now because it's killing people. Yeah. That's a fact. So you need to figure out a way to pivot to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I think you make a really good point instead of you could either pivot. uh, And another thing you could do is instead of exerting this energy against Warner Brothers, you could write the goddamn president or Congress and be like, hey, motherfuckers, pay people to stay home. Yes. (laughs) And so they they don't lose their livelihoods. And I don't lose mine. Like, because that's more beneficial of your time, like pivot in any kind of way find additional funding. Um, like, look, I'm not saying that they're not trying to do those things, but all of your time needs to be going towards that instead of writing statements about like, fuck you, Warner Brothers, and we're talking to them, this, like, that's just not going to help. Yeah. And you guys have to survive this. Yeah. So kind of like do or die time for you guys. And again, I'm, I'm not saying this without sympathy in my heart. It fucking sucks. Yeah. Like 
the movie theater business, I feel so bad for them because this fucking sucks. I also feel bad for theme parks and restaurants who don't have outdoor dining and don't specialize in takeout no. and anybody who who's at a mall or anybody who has any kind of indoor fully crowded establishment. Like I feel bad for fucking everybody. So it, movie theaters keep acting like we are the only ones and it's actually just like not the case. Yeah. And I think, you make a really good point because it's like with a lot of those bigger ones, obviously, when you get to restaurants or in any specific business with people, um, it's different. But when you're talking about like this guy, the head of AMC, it's like, but what about me? It's like, what, motherfucker, what about all all of us? Like, calm, calm the fuck down, dude. Like, it's not just about you. We're all we're all dealing with it together. And certain people at the top feel like that shouldn't impact them. It's like, well, too fucking bad. <laughs> Like, I would rather you be, I would rather put out a statement being like, I'm doing everything I can to keep my popcorn servers employed and people who sweep the floors and I'm thinking about them nonstop and I've cut my salary into one tenth and I'm doing whatever I can and Warner Brothers is not helping the situation. So I'm looking to you guys for help for this, like Mm -hmm. do anything that appears like talks to me about who this is affecting. Like, I don't give a, f- I don't, this sounds mean, but like, I don't give a fuck about you yeah. and your, and your multi, multi-million dollar estates. Like, yeah. it's just hard for me to be like, oh, woe is you, that sucks. You're the only one being affected by this mm-hmm. as I have five family members who are currently in the hospital with fucking COVID. Like, yeah. like w- what? Like, um, is that, was that statement supposed to move me to be like, yeah, fuck you, Warner Brothers? Yeah, exactly. In a lot of ways, when it comes to the the uh, fight between them, well, one, I'm I'm gonna immediately side for with Warner Brothers because they're giving me something <laughs> in this in this time. But it's also a little bit like when like Godzilla and Kong are fighting. It's like I, literally, I'm just trying to keep the building from falling on my head. I don't really give a shit which one of you wins or why, as long as I still have a place to call home when all this is done. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. Like do do an independent one person film festival mm-hmm. like AMC something with uh, submissions that you charge $50 a submission and people have you're challenging people to stay at home during COVID and film themselves make the most creative film they can from their house. Oh. I don't know. These are shitty ideas again, but like do something. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've got a couple questions here from uh, people in the Discord. We've got Boiler Huff. Do you think other story, sto- excuse me? Do you think other studios that have their own dedicated streaming services, Disney with Disney Plus, Universal with Peacock, etc., will implement a similar release strategy? Also, what do you think studios like Sony will do who don't have a major streaming streaming service to speak of? Well, I think that. Um Universal would really struggling struggle doing this with Peacock, considering Peacock has certainly not taken off to the same extent that an HBO or a Disney Plus have. Yeah. Um, although I did hear that anybody with cable has Peacock, so that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know how that affects their streaming services. Disney, we've already seen them do this. Um, we watched them do this with Mulan as they charged more money, and that didn't work for them. And then we're watching them um, do it with uh, Soul, I believe. Yeah, so, yep. And we'll see how that works for them. So we're already seeing it a little bit. I think that 
a lot of these companies are lucky that HBO was the first one to go so they can kind of see like, huh, how's that work? Yeah. Let's see, let's watch them struggle through this. Sony, you they would have the option of selling their movies off. We're, we're seeing that happen too right now. Like who who sold, um, uh, what's the Eddie Murphy movie that was sold to Amazon? Um, uh, was it Coming to America sold, too? Yeah, 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 that was sold to Amazon. It was somewhere else, but they sold off the movie. You know, there's a lot of people that are bidding for different movies. Their streaming services are like Netflix or whatever that aren't associated with a specific studio. We're going to see people bidding $200 million to get movies yeah. um, that have been made. So I do think that there's a lot of options and we're going to see a, a ton of different strategies being implemented because nobody knows what's right. So they're just going to fucking keep throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks because that's kind of the only option. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, uh, actually let's go into this question because I think it ties into that as well. Fly Guy Ty says, do you think this release model will continue in a post uh, COVID-19 vaccine world? What do you think, DJ? I think people are trying stuff. And I think like a lot of things with COVID, I think it depends on what works. Just like you said, uh, Warner Brothers is trying this. And if, if it starts looking like it's working and Disney has good success with Soul, uh, I, would, I would be surprised if Disney didn't start dropping its slate onto Disney Plus as well. And if it works, if it's effective, you know, I think, yeah, I think we'll see... Uh, this is in some ways it's a mass extinction event right and what happened to the dinosaurs they were the the biggest uh creatures that needed the most fuel to survive and they died off and so something i think we might see stuff like amc go the way of the dinosaur and i think movie fee the movie theater experience might become a more boutique boutique excuse me affair where it's something like alamo draft house or it's something like um um smaller uh more person like more just smaller it'll just be smaller you know what i mean uh, and more specialized i think and you'll see some of these you might see um uh simultaneous release you might see stuff where they get an earlier window people will make deals people will figure out life finds a way uh but yeah. i would be surprised if this if this works for warner brothers or if it's perceived as working for warner brothers if other studios don't try it as well the cool thing is that we kind of get to decide as yeah. the consumer if we, you, this is how I live my life. And I think you guys probably do too. Um, you got to put your money where your mouth is. So if you want to see certain things happening, support them. Yeah. And if you don't want to see them happening, don't support them. Yeah. Because businesses are, what I know for sure is that the only thing that will decide what businesses do after COVID-19 is how much money they can make from it. Yep. So if they believe that they can make more money keeping their stuff only on streaming, then that's what they're going to do. Yeah. And if they believe that they should go back to the other model because they'll make more money there, then that's what they're going to do. Um, I'm with DJ. I, I don't think that AMC or any of the major behemoths are going to fold necessarily, but I am with you that I think we're going to see a lot more independent theaters pop up. I love that. Mm -hmm. I'm stoked about that. So that's something that if they do start popping up, I will support them because I want more of them to pop up. So that's how I will show what I want by paying for that. Yeah. Going off that, Danny uh, asked, will this decision open up the doors for smaller films to take more of a spotlight by being uh, a theater first, being quote, theater first exclusives? I actually think it'll probably be the 
reverse that you'll once things kind of normalize you'll see stuff like like wonder woman and stuff like that'll be theater first exclusives but the window might shrink um uh i know that like with a lot of those movies you see the movies that are successful in theaters they're they are event movies they're stuff that you want to see with a crowd and i don't think with the advent of this you're going to want to see wonder woman with a crowd any less i agree you know you're not yeah. going to, want to see endgame with a, you're not going to want to watch endgame on netflix for the first time probably most people yeah i agree even I agree. if it is released simultaneously mm-hmm. i agree um so on that kind of note uh so i, I guess we had a question from sts sts 2884 will theater survive do you believe some evil as we've seen theater for the experience i think we kind of that that's our answer to that yeah they will survive in a, in a new way like we all will we will survive in a new way but danny wants to know what is your favorite part of the movie going experience what would you want theaters to look like in the future to entice you to go into the theater instead of watching it at home i like to be comfortable mm-hmm. so like all the things that mean that um i like to like I, i'm somebody who when i go to the movie theaters i like to have an experience of it I like to have um, uh, a drink or some non-noisy food. Yeah, I like to be sitting in comfortable chairs that I can kind of relax into. I'm not much into these like bed movie theaters. That's kind of gross for me. Yeah, but in general, I like a good environment. I love people who like love their jobs and want to be working there and are friendly and treat you well. There's a lot of theaters in Los Angeles that are chain theaters where you walk in and like they're mean yeah and like they don't want to be there and that's not even necessarily their fault that probably they have a shitty boss or whatever it is so i just like the experience because i'm somebody who loves going to the movies i love going to the movies so that means that like the thing that i really like is the aspect of like being with friendly people who are all enjoying shared experience and having some yummy kind of food and watching something and i i'm not somebody who cares that much about like the um, new technology mm-hmm. that's not huge for me i think I that's just true like, of most people yeah no. i just like the other stuff the little things that i think is great yeah I, and i think i think i would imagine it's a lot of people it's definitely me i think you think about why why go to a restaurant instead of eat at home the experience you want to go there you want to be treated to an experience that's why when like the idea of something like, well, AMC might go away, but you know, you'll still have Alamo Draft House. Like, oh, then I'm fine. <laughs> then, I mean, other than other than the price tag is steeper, the experience is more enjoyable. The the and and not just the staff. Like, the people that are there don't suck. Like, even even uh, someplace like ArcLight, that's supposed to be like this premier place. I've had some really bad experiences with other theater goers at ArcLight. Yeah, it's very pre- uh, it's a very pretentious um place to be. Yeah. Uh I had some people sneak in some very stinky food at my uh hateful eight screening that I went to one time. Um but Yeah, and so it's like I think you're right. I think it's that experience that idea of sitting in there being treated to something. Um and it'll be interesting to see what movies go there and it'll be and maybe maybe it will open up your options. There's a lot of there are movies that you see on screens like, oh man, I wish I'd, I wish I'd seen this in in theaters instead or whatever. Yeah. And like maybe we'll have more of those 
those options. But there is something to be said. Like I can guarantee you, other than the fact that prior to all this, you and I were going to like press screenings and stuff like that. Yeah. Under normal conditions, a lot of these movies that that Warner Brothers is releasing on HBO Max, I will probably check out that I would not have initially just because I don't totally. have to work for it. Like, I don't know that I would see Tom and Jerry. I can guarantee you that I wouldn't. <laughs> and now I might watch it. You know what I mean? Like, now it's, yeah. it's just there. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that they have any intention? I think that they said that they didn't, but I'm not positive. Did they, did they have any intention on charging extra for these? The impression I have been given is that, no, if you have your HBO Max account, you are good to go, which is kind of its own little catch 20. It'll be interesting to see how they gauge success because on the one hand, that's great. It makes it super accessible. And and there's apparently they're even getting rid of the, the one week free trial before Wonder Woman comes out. They're getting rid of the one week free trial. It's like, yeah, of course you are. Um, but the other thing is, I already have my HBO Max account. I've had I've had HBO for years now, uh, and so they're actually not going to be getting any more money from me. I kind of think that that is not going to be a sustainable model for them, and that they're probably going to need to do something along the lines of five dollars a movie, which is still not bad. I mean, that's a rental price. I know, I know, but that's what I mean by it. Like, I don't think that the Mulan's $30 was a good call. That was like a fucking massive price tag. Um, $30 means like it's the difference between you eat that day and you don't. Mm -hmm. Um, For a lot of people, $5 is a little more doable. And I don't know, maybe it's like $10 if you, or $20 if you don't have HBO Max, $5 if you do, or some shit like that. Um, Because I just don't know how are you supposed to make when you've got movies like uh, I don't think Dune was going to make as much as Wonder Woman probably was, but still was, it was supposed to make you hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. How is that going to work? Yeah. I I think that's a really legitimate, legit question. And it'll be interesting to see how they figure that out. If, it, if it's made up for more by more HBO max subscriptions, because um, like you said, it wasn't, the rollout they wanted um so maybe this will help shore that up uh but on the other hand i'm not sure about this but it's like i don't is has netflix become profitable yet and they're just pouring money into productions i I still don't understand how you can be like a billion dollars in debt i don't i when i say don't understand i don't mean like judgingly i don't understand i mean i i literally don't understand business wise i don't understand the math behind that how you can be such a successful company that's where I'm ignorant completely. I, I don't get it. Yeah. And I think like you look at stuff like that and I think it's a similar problem with like uh, Facebook and, and now I'm officially way out of my field, but uh, you've got market saturation. There are literally no more people that you can get. They don't exist. Yeah, you so you're not more until they're born. Yeah. You're not, you're not making more money. And, and I do hope like, obviously we're talking about entertainment stuff, but in a broader sense, I think if COVID has has taught us nothing, it's that we really need to rethink how we re- do basically everything. Like our whole structure just does not support the majority of people. Um, no, it's not working. It's just not. It's just it's literally not. not. And people are dying and we need to rethink it. And And so on the one hand, I'm like a lot of people, like I want stuff to go back to normal in that. I can go out and do things. Uh, yeah, I know. But as far as a structural sense, like, it's it's weird how I think at the beginning of the pandemic I would have been like save theaters we need and now at the end it's like 
I'm interested to see what happens next because we we need to change. And if that means theater's changing, things just need to change. There's like way worse things. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I I w- I'll be interested to see how this plays out. Right now, to me, this feels like a net positive. Um, I I hope it leads to more positive things. It might lead to a way like maybe we don't need to pour a billion dollars into a movie maybe that shit is exorbitant and that money could be used more efficiently um i i don't i don't know um i don't know that's the the real beauty of it is that we're allowed to say i don't know i don't know we don't need to make these decisions no i don't know we just get to comment on them and judge these people for the decisions they make oh yeah yeah all right those are our thoughts on the this crazy situation, but I want to know what your all's thoughts are. You can tweet me at DJ Talks Trash, or you can tweet this show at Only Stupid Answers. But on Twitter, you ain't got that awesome I'm stupid. To let us know what you think about this whole situation, oh, song. I made was, a whole you made a whole song and everything. If you want Roxy to continue her song, let us know on it. Uh, Only stupid answers. Also, let us know what topics you'd like us to discuss. Uh, we're getting near the holiday break, um, so we'll keep you updated on that as well. Some so the exciting things going on there. Before we wrap up, Roxy, remind the kids at home where they can find you and what you were up to. Everywhere at Roxy Stryer, live at the Roxy every single day. We're at 264, I believe, today. Tomorrow would be 265, which is 100 days away from a full year. What? Uh, The final countdown. Yeah, that's where I am. I I think you need to try and hit the full year. I kind of feel that way now, too. I'm I'm in too deep. You're basically there. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. You're basically there. But anyway, uh, stay tuned every week. This show is usually live, unless the internet shits the bed, because that's the world we live in now. Uh, I'm but- just impressed we were still able to do it. Yes. Yes. Thankfully. Thankfully, we still have it. And for those, obviously, you're going to watch this later. I'm sorry I wasn't live. It should be live. Next week, I'll keep you all updated on all of that stuff. But uh, if you listen to the show, please like it. Please uh, give it five stars on iTunes or whatever platform you're on. Uh, like and subscribe or any of those things. This is a, uh, a, a listener-supported show, so please join us at patreon.com slash onlystupidanswers. There's a lot of ways you can interact and be part of the show. We like to incorporate our patrons into the show. Um, and I just want to thank you all for supporting us. I know this has been a very volatile year for everybody. Boy. Uh, so I want to thank everybody that's that's still supporting us or has supported us throughout the year. Maybe you're not currently, but you you were for for part of the year or, or ever as in the history of the show. Thank you, I appreciate you. And uh, stay safe, wear a mask, wash your hands. Don't, for the love of God, stay away from people. I know at the beginning of this whole thing. Everybody's like, we need to stay safe or whatever. And now things are worse than they have been. And people are just going out and open mouth coughing into each other's faces. Cut it out. Cut it out. Stay home, please. We're now is the, the vaccines are coming. Now is the dumbest time to die. Stay the fuck home. Wow. That is such a good way to put it. Yep. You don't want to get, we're so close to the finish line. Don't fuck it up now. No time to die. Dumbest time to die. Dumbest time to die. So, but I I just appreciate y'all and we'll see y'all next week. Bye-bye.